Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is the 12th of October. It is Monday morning. What a crazy, crazy time. It is unbelievable. The Lakers won after 10 years last night, which was a huge thing. That's basketball. For those of you who don't know, there's a Los Angeles Lakers. It's been a while. It's caused a huge stir of excitement in our town. We're going to have another heat wave this week. Um, hopefully the last one, this is the month where all of it starts to slow down, hopefully. And the topic, this timely topic that may not seem so timely, maybe like, well, we're talking about narcissism again. But the more we talk about it, the deeper we get into, how did we get to narcissism? And after Monday's show, I got a slew of inboxes because what happens is once you know what you're dealing with, it takes away the personal sting of how could someone do that to you. Or bigger picture, because right now we are living in the mind of a narcissistic personality in the U.S. We are all sucked into that behavior. We are living in the mind of it. That's why people say, well, how do you deal with your politics? And how? Well, if you think about it as we are dealing with a narcissist, it all makes sense. But what has happened with narcissism is it's become like this buzzword. Well, they're just narcissists. Well, they're just this. But there's way more to it than that. It is a personality disorder. In the Psychiatric Association's Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, in the fifth edition, just to be clear, Narcissistic personality disorder is defined as a cluster B personality disorder prizing a persuasive pattern of grandiosity in behavior or fantasy and a need for admiration and a lack of empathy. We are all currently right now in school of how that looks. We are seeing it every day. It is why people are complaining. And the thing that I don't get is that everybody knows what we're dealing with. But it makes better news to keep saying, and now can you believe what has happened? And now can you believe what has happened? And every time I hear that, 
you know, negative begets negative and positive begets positive. There is no bottom. There is no bottom. It's not just a term for self-absorbed people. It's a pathology. And coping with that, not only current toxic behavior, but potentially for every single day that you are working with them, you will be taken deeper and deeper and deeper down that rabbit hole. So I went to the experts about what they've been doing or saying because identification of this personality type can save you years of your life. I've met people who've been married to a partner like that who've succumbed and became obedient to that you cannot talk to them about their partner. You have to do what they've done, and that's to prop them up to them. They're just lost in it because they know if they defy, everything will fall apart. The one thing that is very, very true is that when you're dealing with that personality type, as strong as they appear, they are equally or even more fragile. But we may deal with our fragility as facing our pain. They deal it with they deal with it. It's becoming stronger and even more abrasive and that's why there is no bottom. They will stop at nothing and they will admit nothing and if anyone around them speaks the truth kids spouses partners coworkers whoever around them the truth they're out and not only will they be out they will be demonized and humiliated by this person on their way out. Children of narcissistic parents never say anything because those parents that have those traits don't let anyone get too close. However, They are like the coolest person in the room. They're talking to everybody. They're paying attention. They're making sure that things are grand, big. Everything looks perfect, shiny. They look great. So the kid feels like I could never tell them what really goes on. No one will believe me. And sometimes they do try to say something and people don't believe them. They don't want them to rock the boat or ruin that picture. But the truth is, narcissism has been around as long as humanity. I mean, it's it's here. And it has been recognized from the very beginning. The term itself comes from narcissus, 
in, in way back in Greek mythology, dating back to like 8 A.D., But the formal diagnosis, accepting different understandings in another human being. I can't say Christ didn't tell us. He said we will get to black and white where we can't hide. We cannot hide. And we are in a time now where if we just hear someone talk, Not out of a judgment thing, but out of an awareness thing. We know what we're dealing with. We also know how far to go and how far not to go once that is completely proven to us. Because some of us wait. We wait until the person shows us who they are, even though we have that gut feeling. So the telltale signs as we talk about this, the recognizable signs, which we talked about last Monday and we went through this list, it's very complex and sometimes could be dangerous because it's not just about selfishness and vanity. That's like the outside mask. But beneath that mask is the way they think. So one way to think of What it's like to deal with a narcissistic personality disorder. Forget that it's the person, just it's this personality in the body of whoever you're looking at. Is equated to a big baby. Because a baby, when they're born, they're completely egocentric. And they are concerned only with themselves and their needs. They can't get up and make you dinner or get up and talk to you. All they could do is lay there and you have to do everything for them. And what happens when you're dealing with an adult who is doing that? When we have a baby, we're like, oh, let me feed you, let me cuddle you, let me sing to you. Grow up, we learn that other people need things too. And so we're not in that place where we're very selfish and we don't give and take. We say, oh, I need these things and they need those things. And we kind of grow, but not for the narcissistic brain. The narcissistic brain gets stuck there in this bottomless, constant need. If you've ever been involved with somebody, a boss, a partner, there is nothing you can do that will ever enough. You can be as loyal as you want, and the minute you're not, you are out. Because the narcissistic disorder wears many masks, many masks. But the telltale signs, the recognizable signs are a lot more clear now than they ever were because now we're seeing 
in real time. We are all in school right now witnessing a huge platform where narcissism is what is running the show. It has caused fatigue to everybody. Just being tired of it. And there is no bottom. The minute you think that you've heard everything, you will hear something else. And part of the reason to talk about this is that people don't understand how. How could someone do this? How could someone behave this way? Well, for them, it's not a how. It's why not? I got to do what I got to do to survive. So when you see self-concern, self-centeredness, self-consciousness that is disproportionate That's a sign. You'll hear it in the speech. The speech, if you really listen to people, and they may say they're taking care of you, but every single thing they say now or will ever say in their lifetimes will actually be about them. It will go back to them in some way. Otherwise, they have no need no need to do it. Now, a normal mind that isn't under the umbrella of a mask may have self-concern, may at times feel self-centered, like, wow, you know, I better take care of myself or I'm just going to not be able to make it to the next thing or I'm conscious of myself. We all are going to feel that to some point, the normal mind that can deal with its own pain. But the mind that cannot will avoid it at every cost. Not at any cost, at every cost. No matter what it takes. And that's where the disproportionate feeling, when you see it, comes in. They have an extreme, and I'm saying way over the top extreme, sensitivity to any negative feedback or criticism. They will fight you till the end. You may think you got away with a criticism with someone like that, but they are 50 steps ahead of you. You have no idea what is going to come back at you. In marriages, that may look like once their mask is off to you, It could be physical violence. It could be emotional. Give you, if you're a mom of children, enough money to take care of the kids. They may not talk to you. They may demonize you to other people so that when they leave, no one will be surprised and you will work the rest of your life to regain the reputation they broke down if you can even stay where you're at. That would be the fallout for negative feedback or any kind of criticism to that person. Once the mask is off, there is no bottom. 
they have a significant need for being accepted or approval from everybody else. Anyone who doesn't give them this kind of approval because they already feel inadequate, whether it's real or imagined, they already feel it. So if you don't give them the approval they need, you are not what they call a supply because they always need a supply. If they're dating somebody and you guys break up, the next week they'll be going out with someone else that they're totally in love with and want to marry because they don't look at the other person as a person. They look at them as what they call a supply. And they'll get that other person early on because the first seven times they don't show the telltale signs unless you're really trained to hear what you're listening to. However, they become everybody who they've ever gone out with victim. They are the victim of their parents. They are the victim of their coworkers. Victim, 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 victim. And they look loving and vulnerable and, oh, my gosh, take care of me. And the person is sitting there going, well, I'll make sure that never happens to them again. I won't do what all those other people did. And then as you grow in the relationship, you start understanding why people reacted to them because now you are reacting to them the way they told you everyone else did. And you may hang on for a while trying to prove that wrong, but your gut feeling, your gut feeling was right. I remember years ago I dated someone, and I may have told you parts of this story, but I dated somebody, really liked him, really liked him. Nice guy, you know, two kids, I have two kids, we were both divorced, but I had no idea what was coming. It wasn't that it was so bad is that when you are with somebody with that mindset, you are alone in a relationship. So it's like this weird dichotomy, right? How do you be alone in a relationship? But you are in their relationship, and you begin to fade to black. But look what happened. The very first time I walked into his home, And we had a great first meeting. We couldn't stop talking. He wanted to know everything about me. I did not know that that was a sign. And I thought, wow, what a caring guy. And, you know, he was so happy he met me and all this stuff. I was just, wow, couldn't wait to see him again. Felt like I was with the most caring person on earth. first time I walked into his home, which was newly rented, it was a big home, it was really beautiful, I walked in the kitchen, and my instinct, which I fought for months afterwards, I knew, I said to my best friend, I will never live with 
or marry this man. I knew it enough to say it, to have said it. And then I thought, well, you know, I really don't date very much and I haven't dated. Maybe I just don't know how to date. I gave myself reasons and I gave myself purpose there and I talked myself out of what I was seeing because it didn't match the person that I met yet. But look at how keen our instincts are. So as the months went on, I did see that the self-concern and centeredness and consciousness was disproportionate. I did see a huge sensitivity to feedback or criticism. When I caught him lying, which the lying was about stuff that didn't even matter to me, but the fact that the lying was so obvious, when I said, do you realize what you're saying isn't true. And he goes, well, that's pretty harsh. And then it wasn't ever about the lie. His view of it was, you keep saying, which is it? Is it this or is it that? And you wanted an answer out of me. You kept pushing. I'm like, oh, wow. So it's about me pushing for the truth, not about him not telling the truth. Telling the truth was irrelevant. And when they get away with the lying, there's this feeling of that grandiose, like, wow, I've, I've got control. But then they can't figure out why they also have a shelf life. People come and go because no one can give up their lives for another human being. They're poor self usually expressed through arrogance. Arrogance is a very unattractive feature. When one narcissist sees it in another, they will bounce off each other because they will be speaking the same language. And if you listen to them talk in that language you will feel like you want to rip your skin off. They will talk about other people. They will put other groups down that are different. They will say their real feelings. Some of them talk about how much they hate being parents, having kids, somebody taking up their time. How dare them? They need all this stuff. They cost so much money. They have an intolerance for anything that they believe is an imperfection. They idealize people they think are perfect and they will devalue every single person around them that they believe failed them. They were not a good supply. How dare them? Well, they weren't a good supply because they're flawed. But look at this person over here, this leader, this boss, this parent. They've got it all under control. They don't think that they're good parents. They don't care. They're saying they got it under control. 
going back to control. They are preoccupied with how they look, no matter what you may think, but with appearance, with beauty, with wealth, with fame, with success over morals and virtue over integrity. Their success is over morals, virtue, and integrity. They could care less about morals or being any kind of layer of integrity. Bigger thing that you will find when you deal with this person and they are confronted with the truth is they have a level of shamelessness to where you could say you just killed somebody and they will turn it on you. Well, that day you upset me. You hurt me. You did. They'll never talk about the carnage on the side of them. They will take you and they will put you through the ringer and exhaust you. Their reasons, you will not even believe the things that they could come up with and how they could flip it. They will use very hurtful words that you can't get out of your head for probably your lifetime if you don't understand what you're dealing with. Once you give it a title, you now know that if you read about that personality type, as individualistic as they seem and as over-special that they seem, you will find out that they're just a, a cliche of themselves. All behave the same way. In the way that people who are not narcissistic tend to behave in the same way. We, we may help each other. We may listen to each other. We may care about each other in a different way. But the narcissistic brain has a poor emotional system working. It is an injured system from so early on that they can't get to it. So they have very aggressive impulses based on their psychological fragility. That fragile part is what they're protecting. And they become vain over it. They're self-righteous. They have the right to get what they want because they've been hurt even though they don't know what hurt them. Very prideful. But then at the same time, with that preoccupation of appearance and beauty and wealth and fame over their morals and their virtue and their integrity, they will always and forever have a lack of remorse, compassion, or empathy for anybody. They may, they may seek therapy or any kind of treatment because they can't self-reflect 
but it's a seldom happening. It does happen very much. They don't believe what anyone can say. They don't think anyone knows anything they don't know, and they don't want to be vulnerable. So it's seldomly treated. But the signs are telltale. People read about it and think that that's who they are, but they never want to know for sure. They do get depressed. They do get anxious. They do abuse alcohol and drugs. Nadia, have you ever spoken about morals and morality? No, I guess I should, but thank you, Francis. That's in the chat. But it is truly an opposite of mind, as Christ talked about in Origins of Truth, when he said there's the opposite of mind, the opposite of love, the language with the lack of love, two languages, love and lack of love, all goes back to what we're seeing right now in our history. You guys have a day. I will see you tomorrow morning. Love you guys. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.